0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Speak LA, the podcast brought to you by Roman Media. Hey Jen, hey, what's up? <laughs> what's up? <laughs> How you doing? What is happening? Oh, <laughs> I'm doing good. Not much, me too. Looking forward to Michelle Zeitlin. Michelle Zeitlin, I know. I'm so excited to
1: talk to a manager. Me I feel too. like. That was something when I first came to LA that was very confusing. You know, do oh, I sign yeah. with a manager? Do I sign with an agent? Yeah. Can I have both? Should I have both? You what know, do they do? What do they do exactly? I How is know. it different than an agent? Yeah, yeah. All so, very good questions. Yeah,
0: and Michelle's full of good stories. I know. I know. I'm so excited, I'm excited to hear I'm them excited today. To talk to her. Yeah, me too. What about you, Jen? Got any uh, good Uh, stories for me today? Good stories.
1: Oh, you know what I just did that I'm really excited about. I just signed up for one of these. um, I feel like I shouldn't say it out loud because now, now I'm stuck. Now if I don't do it, (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Um, You know, like 21 days of meditation for five bucks or whatever. I mean, it was more than five bucks, but um, for like really cheap, you know. But they, you're allowed to like try out a studio, and and I feel like more meditation in my life or maybe just any meditation (laughs) (laughs) would would maybe be a good thing. So so I'm going to dive right in and we'll see if I go once or if I go, but I'm going
0: to try to go
1: 21 days in a row.
0: When are you starting this? I don't know. Today, I think.
1: (laughs) No, I just signed up. So today I'm going to try to start today. That's so cool. And you'll tell me if I become a much more pleasant person to be around. I mean,
0: that's going to be a stretch, Jen, (laughs) but we'll see. (laughs) How old were you when you moved to LA?
2: I was 13. My whole family moved to Los Angeles.
0: And where did you come from?
2: I was living in Madison, Wisconsin, in the deep snow. Oh,
0: did you know anyone when you moved here?
2: I did not. I had been hooked up with my ballet teacher, Stanley Holden from London to come here and study ballet, but I had not met anybody yet. Which part of town did you live in when you first got here? When we first moved here, I lived in Pacific Palisades and I went to Paul Revere Middle School. Same school my daughter eventually went to.
1: Oh, wow. Wow. Um, What
2: was your first job here in LA? My first job was also the first job that got me my sag card and it's a funny story should I tell yeah, that later? Tell us. <laughs> okay. So uh-huh. I was the only girl in Southern California in a one piece. Everybody else was wearing spaghetti straps bikinis, up their bum. right? Sure. <laughs> which was the thing, yeah. Long Bikinis, Yeah. California. And me being a wholesome girl from Wisconsin, I had an all-American striped one-piece. <laughs> uh-huh. So they were casting for the Pepsi Challenge, and that is a legitimate challenge, Pepsi or Coke, right? Uh-huh. So not only did I pick Pepsi, but I was in this wholesome one-piece, so they wanted to make a national commercial out of my Pepsi Challenge ah. at the beach. And they probably interviewed about 100 people, But I was the smart one who – my mother's from the Bronx. She's like, call an agent. (laughs) So I called Herb Tannen, Tyler Carr at the time at Herb Tannen Agency, and they negotiated for me to get my session fee for that interview at the beach – which got me my SAG card and then all the cycle fees. So I think I made close to twenty grand over the course of five years. For that and commercial. how old were you? <laughs> well, I was fourteen when I got cast in that commercial. Wow, not too shabby,
1: Savvy little that's girl. Awesome. I like it. Um, that's amazing. Uh, how many how many years of living in L.A. until you felt like it was your home?
2: Oh yeah, I never felt like it was my home. Um, as a youth, when I moved to New York and came back, I was spending a lot of time as an actress.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, while I was very appreciative of L.A., mm-hmm. I didn't feel like it was home until many years later.
1: Yeah, we hear that mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. So many people say that. Um, I, I mean, that we could spend a whole podcast talking about yeah. why that's the case about L.A. Yeah. But anyway... Um, and if you had to sum LA up in one word, what would that word be? Selfish. <gasps> <laughs> oh man, it is so selfish. <laughs> Nobody has said that, no. and you're right. So let me talk
2: about selfish. Yeah, for yeah a I was just yeah. going to ask. We think of selfish, and certainly when we're teaching our kids, don't be selfish. Share your cookies. Yeah. Right. Let your brother watch his TV show. But there's something about LA. People come from all over the world, literally, to make it. This is the city, make it till you break it, right? Yeah. So it's a selfish city because people come here primarily for themselves
1: to Mm -hmm. secure
2: opportunity. So while that could have been my word. Opportunity. Opportunity, Mm -hmm. and it does offer so much opportunity on so many levels. I find that both the way people apply themselves is selfish and also it's very hard to find true deep friendships because of the narcissism associated with being selfish in this industry.
1: Bam! Interesting. <laughs> I love that answer. I love that answer. You're so right. And you know what? Maybe that's why so many people don't feel like it's home. You
0: no, know? But yeah, but it takes maybe a takes a long time to It right? connected. It's a long time. City. And what's
2: interesting is some of my closest friends are from other places. Mm-hmm. Right? You everybody comes here. There's an incredible pool, mm-hmm. and it's in so many ways so appealing because you've mm-hmm. got diversity and you've got every kind of political person and mm-hmm. you've got you know people with so many different dimensions and personalities but everybody comes here to make it so it's a very selfish culture selfish. and it's a materialistic culture so that's that sort of like the the hypersensitivity to selfish right? yeah yeah i love
1: that yeah i love it <laughs> Michelle! <laughs> we're so happy you're well here. Done. Yeah, Michelle Zeitlin, I'm glad to manager. And um, d- d- you do so many different things. Today, I think we're going to talk a lot about your manager Roles, but but we'll talk about other things too, and we want to hear about your journey. And um, but we're so excited to have you on the show. Thank You're, you yeah. you are a wealth of knowledge. I know that Camille knows that, and um, from love, yeah, other times her. we've spent with you, and um, so we're so excited. Thank you for being here. I'm
2: excited to be yeah. here. And I'm
1: glad that Russell Bear introduced
2: us. I me <laughs> me too Me I too. Yeah, I love Russell. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. yeah, I love Russell
1: Club.
0: Yeah, yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. Russell Bear Photography, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's. He's amazing. But so are you and yeah. we're so glad you're here. And
0: I'm excited because you have so many good stories. I feel mm-hmm. like we got to hear so many when we met you last time. So mm-hmm. now everyone else gets to hear mm-hmm. them too. <laughs> okay. So good. just to start with Okay. How did you become a manager, and why did you go in that direction? Or how did you become you? Tell us. Can we, can we go back <laughs> a Michelle, little Michelle, yeah. yeah like, isn't that sort of selfish? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you came here at 13, but then you went to New York, right? I'd love so to know. So I hear. was
2: 13, okay. and yeah. at the time, my father's excuse for getting us out of Wisconsin in the snow was that I was on a path to be a classical ballerina. Mm -hmm. The truth is he was tired of shoveling snow. He got a motorcycle (laughs) after having a VW van in Wisconsin, and he was a professor of sociology. So he got a license plate on his motorcycle that said Prof Z. Professor Z, <laughs> and he promptly let his beard grow out, and he looked like Serpico, and if any of you have seen the movie, that's what my dad looked like in a leather jacket, so he was the cool professor, but he uses me as a crutch uh-huh. to say, we moved to L.A. because my daughter was aspiring to be a classical, class- I can't even talk today. <laughs> that's okay. We're going to edit that out, Dan. Blah, 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 back. <laughs> <laughs> classical Dan classical ballerina. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> classical ballerina. <laughs> <laughs> nice and fancy. So, um, yeah, what was the question?
1: <laughs> so your dad used to How you are excuse, you? Yeah. And you came out, and you were here for how many years before you left and came back? So, yeah, at 16, I took the proficiency
2: test from high school, and I uh, it was the equivalency. Now they call it the Chesapeake, and it was an opportunity to get out of high school a year early. So I didn't have a senior year. Mm-hmm. And the goal of that was to get me to New York. So I had had my training here with Stanley Holden and West Side Ballet. And I was really ready and prompted to go to New York, which is where ballerinas mm-hmm. had to go and premier dancers, male dancers. And I auditioned for several scholarships, American Ballet Theater, New York City Ballet, which is called SAB. The Joffrey. And I was offered the Joffrey Full Scholarship. Mm-hmm. So at 16, I declared, I'm moving to New York. Now, my mom was from the Bronx. And she was a poor kid from the Bronx. She wasn't from, you know, the upper class. And so she was really worried about my experience. And my dad... Who's an intellectual? And a professor was like, really? You're going to get out of high school early? Mm -hmm. You better be really good. (laughs) I don't know. I made him all of a sudden sound like Tevye from Fiddler on the Roof. That's not how he talks. But anyway. So... (laughs) (laughs) You, you <laughs> what do you mean God. you must leave far away <laughs> to an unpromised land? Are you so I, moved to, I love it. I moved to New York. And I lived in the village. Uh-huh. And it was one of the most amazing times in my wow. life. 16. Yeah. By I, yourself. And when you were asking before who I knew, I had one cousin I knew in Montclair, New Jersey, who had also been a ballet dancer, but ended up getting an MBA in business and becoming a brilliant businesswoman. And um I lived in the village. I've made a lot of girlfriends because I lived in the Markle uh, Residence for Girls, which was run by nuns, though they didn't wear their nun habits. Mm-hmm. And we weren't allowed to have boys in there. But when my dad visited New York, I snuck him up the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! That's great. And here's a cool story. So I moved to New York for a short time. Then I heard there was a big audition for Fame, the TV series. Mm -hmm. So I ran back to L.A., and I auditioned. By this time, I was 17. I got the series. I was the youngest one to get the series. I was hired by Debbie Allen from about 3,000 people that auditioned. Wow. And then I had to go back and ask Joffrey for permission to do the series or, you know, lose my scholarship. And Meredith Bayliss— who, as it turns out, was one of those tiny little lollipop ballerinas in The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Me, right? oh. yeah. She was one of the team. Teen- Meredith Bayless, who ran the scholarship program, she said, take the TV series. The money you'll make in that TV series will allow you to live in New York for such a long time, and you won't have to be a waitress like everybody else here or have a part-time job. Right. So I did it. I And then when I was by the time I was going on 18, we went into production. And so I ended up doing the first what did we do, 13 episodes, the first season, which was an MGM production with NBC. Yeah. And then I quit the series, much to everybody's shock, because I said, okay, now I've done this, I've had my TV experience, this is amazing, but I cannot let this opportunity at the Joffrey go, and I've spent all these years preparing for a ballet career. So I met went back, and I went back into the Joffrey School, and soon after got uh, into the concert group company.
0: Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And That's by the so way, brave. at the
2: Joffrey, I made $250 a week. On the Fame TV series, we were then on a contract that doesn't exist anymore called an SEG specialty dancer contract. Doesn't even exist, thank God, <laughs> because of all of our fighting for SAC to take dancers and singers on. But we still, on an SEG contract, I was probably making 600 to to 1000 a day on that set wow so there's the comparison between
1: the arts and entertainment right commerce versus the performing arts wow and yet you still you still made the choice to go back you and it was so worth it yeah i love that we had somebody else on recently that was talking about sort of art versus you know making choices that 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 your soul tells you to make versus Mm -hmm. that's right making the the business also my body you know Mm -hmm. like
2: gymnastics ballet is a young career and I knew if I was going to go for it now is the time Mm -hmm. and it was easy to get fat on the set and you know by fat that's (laughs) relative but for a ballerina you know I was sitting around eating peanut butter and Snickers on the set right you know and it was real easy to get lazy because there's so much sitting around on a set yeah so I really wanted to get back to my peak condition as I had been and um and then I struggled honestly with weight issues and stuff but that's a whole other chapter right Yeah, because there's such a there was such a body image in the ballet world, which, thank God, with Misty Copeland and several others is Mm -hmm. starting to change. Mm -hmm. Well,
0: I I like how you defined it too entertainment and the arts like those Mm -hmm. are the two. And I think I think a lot of times people come here. I I certainly had that experience where you come from such a like an artistic training and a real love of of this art form right? and then you get here and it's a bit of a shock because it really is entertainment it mm-hmm. is and not to to diss the training
2: because if you look at people like laura linney and several other fantastic actresses they're all from a strong stage right. background but you do have to trade in a little bit of your artistic um what's the word your a bar your mm-hmm. bar Sometimes,
0: yeah, and I think also kind of wrap your brain around uh, doing your art within the business, like That's doing right. your art within the entertainment business, mm-hmm. which is just another way of thinking about it. I think, and it's not necessarily a bad way of thinking about it, but it's a necessary way to sort of and remember understand this was pre
2: Netflix, pre Amazon, pre Hulu, even I think, I think it was pre Showtime. So mm-hmm. you know. People were watching network TV. You didn't have as many opportunities to watch a lot of diverse scripted television. So they were playing to the lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hate to say it. And Fame was a good show. Mm -hmm. It was based on the movie, and it was a pretty good show. I think its next iteration wasn't as good, you know, Fame LA. But um, you have to think about that. They're entertaining the masses. Mm -hmm. Now you have a much more selective amount of TV that I think is really high bar.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of amazed yeah. at what's out there now. Truly,
2: it's such a great. Time. I'm a, and I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan, dude. I mean, mm-hmm. those are all amazing classical Same. actors, yeah. right? Yeah,
0: well, yeah. Most most of what you—that's what I—that's what I always say too is that, you know. It, never discount the training that you have, even though it can feel like you move here and that's not appreciated. It's very much appreciated. It's just not in the language, I think, in the Mm -hmm. vocabulary of how we
2: talk. And have it in your back pocket because you never know. I recently had a client, well, this is on a tangent, but I had Mm -hmm. a client um, who went in for one of these weird sci-fi shows? But it was all classical dialogue, mm-hmm. and she was like a cyborg, but she had to speak like she was from some place in Africa, mm-hmm. you know. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and look yeah. at all the Wakanda, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they yeah. got
2: to create this cultural vernacular that yeah. was very much based on stage yeah. training.
0: Yeah. I'm just amazed at how brave you were at such a young age mm, to take yeah. this leap, go back to New York. I like that. Take this leap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no I pun mean, yeah. Right. Whee! <laughs> and I'm not even a dancer. <laughs> yeah. Look at you yeah, pulling so... out the puns. <laughs> I know. Didn't even know I did it. There you go. There's another gift for you guys. <laughs> but it is. It's incredible that you leapt back over to New York, took a grunge tape. There you go, jet <laughs> tourney. No. and <laughs> like, yeah. she speaks French, right? Oh, <laughs> by the way, the language of ballet is all in it's French. All Grand it. jeté. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, so brave. and then come, came back here at such so a courageous. young age like to mm-hmm. really know, to have that just... Just to know that that's what you wanted to do and then to also know that you really wanted to be in a company. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I wanted to
2: have that experience. And what's interesting, and we'll have to get back to the original question, which was how did I become a talent manager? Because this has been a very long-winded and circuitous answer. But um, I remember when I was a dancer, then I also felt like I was mute. And I had so much Mm. to say as an actress. And I'd always trained, and I'd been in musical theater since I was young. But I remember when I was in New York, I thought it's time now to break out the acting, mm. and
1: um, I think a lot of dancers feel that yeah. way. Do you meet a lot of dancers that feel that way that, well, that want to make the transition? Because
2: I think in my generation, in my twenties, mm. they told us not to say we were dancers if we were actors, and if we were actors, we were said not to be dancers. It was very interesting, and now everybody is telling everybody that, you know, oh, I sing, I dance, I act, and I it's just, I write, I, write, yeah. I create Jeez. my own content, mm-hmm. I've got a camera, that's my phone, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's a yeah. filmmaker, and while there's some humor to that, but there's some truth to it, too, mm-hmm. you know, um, but, yeah, I think I was really hungry to speak out not only with my body and my expression, but to start to act again. And so I ended up signing with a fantastic agency in New York called the Actors Group. And it was my fame series that really got me that agency. But then I was up for amazing roles, you know, and it's funny, because I was watching um, Tia Leone on mm-hmm. her series um, on Netflix yesterday, and a you know playback, and she was like one of my competitors I remember going up against Tia Le- Leone yeah. and I had been up for flash dance, you know when they Ugh. were creating that with Jennifer Beals I was like in the top five or something um. you know and so oh that's another long story we could do a whole podcast on the <laughs> roles that got away <laughs> yeah <laughs> The one I didn't get, the fish that <laughs> swam away. jeté <laughs> 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 fish.
1: Fish that swam away. People with fish. You know what though? Talk about that if you would for a minute, because that's a subject that we that we talk about a lot and hear questions about a lot. Which is how to deal with that. Mm. How to deal with those things? Because I'm sure from your perspective now, and correct me if you're if I'm wrong, but. Most people, I think, get to the point where they say, you know what, it's good everything went the way it did because now I'm here and I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, that's an easier thing, I think, for us to say when we're in our 30s, 40s, 50s than it is when you're 22 and there's a role. I agree. Yeah, so what What did you do? How did you deal with the things that, that I mean, those you are big things. You have to have things. a really those thick skin.
2: I don't know if people still say that, thick yeah. skin, but that means, you sure. know, like leather
1: mm-hmm. because— <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: you you don't get more parts than you do first of all right Mm -hmm, you don't get get more more roles you get way more no's so you have to learn that no doesn't mean no to anything else than that opportunity Mm -hmm. and that's that's really just training not training like for a class or training for a skill but it is it is a skill in learning how to take the no and i always say um My mother was a writer and she used to say, ah, another rejection letter. (laughs) And now that I represent writers because I also am talent literary, I say, you know, it's not a rejection letter. It's not a fit.
1: Mm. You
2: didn't get that one. It wasn't like if you're a golfer, right? It it went past the hole that time, but it's going to come around. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really do think like an 18-hole game, the ball comes around and what's important is to win the room. Mm. because it's going to come back around. Those casting directors, if you did a good read, they remember you. They do. Mm -hmm. And it's happened so many times. And uh, it is. you have to have a thick skin. You have to have a lot going on in your life. Mm. I think, you know, being moms, Mm -hmm. it's easy to be busy, right? Mm -hmm. There's always something. It's hard to keep a train of thought, let alone, (laughs) you know, worry about But when we're actors, we are selfish and performers because we're on that path to success, we have to be so in the zone. So it's very hard to veer off and let yourself go from that thought, you know. Um, and now, in my management days and my older days, I also do a lot of positive affirmations because, listen, I, as a manager, take things to heart. Mm-hmm. I have incredible people that I represent writers, actors, producers, directors, choreographers. And it's hard not to take that stuff when you get a no. You're like, what the heck? Yeah. What? (laughs) You know, you don't want to see them because they're what? Developmental. Oh, that's a good word we should talk about. (laughs) What does that mean they're developmental? She was a recurring guest star in a major TV series. What do you mean she's developmental? I mean, and oh, they're not diverse enough. Mm, that's a big one today. Right? Well, yeah. so now you you are diverse. Like if you're di- right if you're diverse, you're getting your chance right. finally right. to get right. out there. I mean, it's still the numbers at SAG show that that's not so the case. Yeah. But to actors who are blonde or redhead and I have a couple of them, they're not getting out as much right now because mm-hmm. it's the age of a diversity. But having said that, you know, a lot of people who are not getting jobs and you just have to kind of go in with this idea that it's just another day.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Tomorrow I'm waking up. Tomorrow I'll have another audition. Now, the problem is that I, as a manager, I want my actors to be so prepared that, that that audition has to feel like a screen test. You have to put all of your eggs in the basket that day, and then you have to let it go. So it is, it's a bit of a juggling act
0: psychologically. Yeah, it's very hard to do that. It's very hard because, you know, once you do have the audition that's and right. you get the audition, and depending on when you get the audition, you most likely have to drop anything everything else that else. you had planned. Mm, that's right. And then you have to go in, put your focus. everything into it, focus, and then somehow let it go. I think many people don't do that, though. And I think
1: this is great advice, and I love, <laughs> love what you said about treat it like a screen test. Yeah. Because I went through in my career so many different patterns where sometimes I would say, you know what, now, excuse me, now I'm going to treat it like I don't really care, you know, which was so stupid. But I think I felt like I got to try this and see how it feels and see how it you know because i i think i saw other people booking work that seemed to not care and i thought oh maybe that's the way to do it right the less i care, the more it'll come to me it's like dating
2: i'm not looking (laughs) i'm not desperate so prince charming will fall in my lap but that's not really the case doesn't work no you have to completely
1: prepare complete and i even love that you go so far i love that treat it like a screen test oh yeah especially in the
2: age of self-tapes actors where we're Mm. all asked to self-tape you've got to be a bloody producer these days mm-hmm. right or, go get or it know done. where to mm-hmm. get it done like, don't do a half aid audition no mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. okay i tell my clients every self-tape is not a self-tape it's a screen test
0: I love that. I like thinking of it like that, yeah. it, and it makes it more fun for the actor too, because you're like Ooh, mistakes. Yeah, I got, a, I, got screen screen I got a screen test today. Test well, there's today. something because
2: many casting directors will say, "Oh, it's better for the actor. It saves you the gas. All you have to do is shoot with your iPhone, and you know the difference. Mm-hmm. You can shoot with your iPhone and make it look like a screen test, or you can shoot with your iPhone and make it look like crap.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah I mean, I what I think. To what you're talking about, which we talk about a lot, is you have to control the variables. That's right. Because mm. there's so much in this that you cannot control. So if you get an audition, yeah, go make sure that if it's an, if it's a self-tape, it's a good self-tape. Right, like, why stuff would you, you can control. Yeah, don't shoot yourself in the foot And don't
2: rush it because sometimes you literally have to get that tape done in a day. But there's still preparation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Drop what you're doing. Do your research. It's so easy these days in the age of YouTube and every other kind of media. It's accessible. You need to know what that show's tone is. Watch the show before Mm -hmm. you do your audition. Know the tone. Know who the cast is. Mm -hmm. Know what characters are on the show and you know, the how speed. your co-star or guest star is intermingling with that storyline yeah, good I don't no do anything last that. minute yeah, yeah. when I you first came when
0: I first came here I just had no clue yeah yeah and I think I think that that's I'm going to say this for L.A., despite, you know, the definition of it being selfish, mm-hmm. which I do agree with as well. Mm-hmm. But there is a humbleness. It does bring you to to your knees a lot mm-hmm. here because you come and you, you think, oh, well, I know how to do this. I know how to like, well, no, I don't. I don't know how to audition in this particular way. I don't know how to put myself on camera in this way. I don't know how to self-tape. I don't know how to, you know, pick up a, a script for a multicam and know the pacing. You yeah. know, it's it's all the stuff that you kind of have and to by learn. by the way, I teach all that. I <laughs> mm, yeah, just want to say, yeah, yeah, we
1: will, let's yeah. do it. Let's, let's hear yeah. about that. No, really, I really, I think it's really important. How people can reach you.
0: I, I want to go back to something that you said um, just about how you take it personally when mm. something happens, because I think a lot of people wonder what the role of their manager is. And I just, you know, I, I want to hear more from you, but I do want to say like, what's so cool about what you said is that it's nice to have a team Around you so that mm. you're not taking the you have someone there to kind of help hold your hand during this process because it is hard. So you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you work with your clients in that regard. Like do you when they get an audition, do you call them up and walk them through it? Or how how do you support them in that way? And is that typical for a manager?
2: Hmm. I can't answer if it's typical. I will tell you just like anything else, there's good actors, bad actors, there's good managers, and bad managers. There's people that say they're a manager because they're managing their kid. Um, mm-hmm. And that, ne- that doesn't necessarily mean they're not good at it. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there's a range of ways that people get managed. And I also think I have a range of ways of managing because I have 25 different clients, it's 25 different age groups, mm-hmm. 25 different personalities
1: that includes your writers sorry No, answer. I have 12,
2: 12 right now I have 12 authors on my docket.
1: That's still that's a low number. I mean, I, I Well, it's definitely boutique. I respect that. Like you yeah, you it's a boutique. you take care of everybody. Yeah, my I have I a partner that.
2: on the on the mm-hmm. literary side, Jane Cowan Hamilton, and we're very much um in our approach whether whether we take a client or not is really a 50/50 choice. Mm-hmm. So, we're very hands-on. And with actors, I have I try to only sign an actor I think will be in their specific category. I try because an, an agency is about the numbers. Even when they're boutique and they have maybe sixty to eighty clients, they're still going to have two, three, four people in a category. I try to have one mm. um, because I want to know that I'm going to pitch that person when that opportunity comes wow. up. Wow,
0: that's amazing. That's that's
1: that you have lucky clients <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> because. You. Yeah.
2: And my mantra is, I want to be the manager for for my clients that I never had. Mm. Um. I had agents through my career, and some of them were really good and had no clout, and some of them were really big agents and had lots of clout but maybe weren't as hands-on. I've had the range, mm-hmm. and it's the same with my clients. I have clients that are at UTA. I have clients that are at Little... Bob's big boy, (laughs) but Bob's 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 hustling. I love that. And to me, the relationship I have with my agents is as important. You said the word team before. I want to talk a little bit about team. People throw that word around. It's become kind of the word. It's an ism in LA. Oh, it's so great to have a team. team. (laughs) You know, your people should call my people. (laughs) Kissy, kissy, kissy. <laughs> um, it, you want to work with people who believe in you, mm-hmm. who are going to have the strength and the respect of their clients, who are going to be able to tell you things that you may not want to hear in a way that is going to move you in a positive direction and not kill you. Mm-hmm. I've had to say some pretty critical things to some clients. Mm-hmm. You have to come up with ways of managing your clients. You know, it's a little bit of nurturing, mothering, Mm -hmm. a little bit of therapy.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I style my clients. I tape my clients. I coach my clients. I have a range of services I provide. So I don't think there are many people that do what I do. Definitely Um, not. And my clients, and, and they're good people to ask, they each feel very unique in my list and i think they feel very special now that doesn't mean it always works Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i've had to have breakups with clients and it feels like a breakup in a marriage sometimes Mm -hmm. and it hurts sometimes and i've had clients that i take them up the ladder and then they're like see ya Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that hurts and i just read about one of the agents that i have a meeting with on monday for one of my clients who's a pretty powerful agent And I was reading about a lawsuit of a client they brought to stardom, multi, multi multi-millionaire stardom. And they're in a lawsuit with that client. And they felt dropped on their head because they felt they took that that client when he was no one, brought him to stardom, huge stardom. And then it was like an email. Thanks for all you've done. Moving on. Wow. And, And I have been there. Yeah. So. I try to treat my clients in a way I would want to be treated. Mm-hmm. I have to hear all kinds of dissing all day long. And let me tell you, I know how to take no's. I prefer no's to maybes. And I think that's something that's really important. It's mm-hmm. a caveat because everyone maybes you to death in L.A. Mm. New York, they tell you no. I like a no. It's clean. Move on. Yeah. This is not working. Let's move on. It's a No. You know, don't yes me to death and don't may me maybe me to death. You wanna see my client? Absolutely. Nine o'clock tomorrow, make sure they're off book. Done. No, great. We'll we'll work on this for another time. Love that. You know? Love be that. clear. Yeah. You know? I think
1: in life la- that's a good lesson for everything in yeah. life. Just be clear. Relationships, it's it's right? It's Isn't it nicer to just mm-hmm.
2: say, Hey, I think you're an amazing person. It's not working for me right yeah. now. I don't think we're a match. Yeah. yeah. Rather than
1: ghosting you yeah oh <laughs> yeah yeah, Seriously, yeah. Right? or or keeping you going along thinking you know, this person really yeah, loves me yeah. they want me to send my picture yeah. resume every day yeah yeah <laughs> i know no i love that I sorry love to that. the sound man <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's great. Um, oh, I'm so sad that we're almost out of time. I feel like
0: we could we could
1: just talk to you forever. We'll do part two, part Yeah, let's three. do part two if you if you will. That's, I will. that's Can I generous. Ask a, quick ask a quick question. Just
0: because we kind of addressed it but didn't. Did you decide to be a manager because of your experiences and that was something that you wanted to do? Okay,
2: so here's a funny story. I accidentally became an agent.
1: that's funny that's just a funny sentence i accidentally became an agent
2: (laughs) (laughs) and we're out and after two years of being an agent and not loving it very much but there's a whole you know there's a bunch of reasons yeah what i did love was getting people work i was always good at it when i was on the other side buying you know i was a buyer to the agents now i was selling i love getting people work when i was leaving the agency the boss of the agency said to me, you have a very managerial style. And I said, my mother, who's from the Bronx, said, that's a half-ass compliment. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I had tripled revenue for that company in three months. Yeah, (laughs) But I realized I was really more managerial in style Uh because I like spending time after they go to the audition. I want to hear how it went. Mm. I want to know how they felt and what was the feedback. Can you be the fly on the wall and be really objective? Now tell me how you felt inside your skin. You don't get to do that as an agent. Wow. It works too fast. So I thought, I want to be more I want to spend more time with my clients. I want to develop them more mm-hmm. so that they'll be ready and I want to treat every one of my actors or dancers so that they feel they've already won. They're going in to give a performance, not an audition. And so I wanted to nurture, I wanted to train, I wanted to coach and you can't do that as an agent cuz the business works too fast. Mm-hmm. And agenting is talent fulfillment and managerial work is development. Mm. And that's a, an important takeaway. Oh,
1: I love that. Thank you. Michelle, you're fantastic I feel I, I I truly feel better for just having this conversation. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I mean, you're not just a great manager, you're really a great person. Thank like you. I, I love what you said about, you know, wanting to be the kind of manager that you would want, you know, and yeah. it's it's a really beautiful sentiment. Um, can we end with an LAism? Something, Something you've noticed that's uh, unique to only L.A.? Air kisses. <laughs> air kisses. <gasps> we do air kisses. Should we do one right now? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, okay. <laughs>
0: ma, ma,
1: ma, <laughs> ma. Love you. Bye. We do too. <gasps> Is that your convertible? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to air
0: kiss and think <laughs> of you. We do do
1: air kisses. Thanks for being here. This was really, this was Perfect. Yeah, yeah, really special. Appreciate
2: it. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell. Oh
1: yeah, sorry. Tell us a bit. Oh, quickly I just want to tell all the to 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 power and how they can reach you. Yeah, I want to tell all the
2: listeners to listen to their heart. Mm. I often talk um, about the Wizard of Oz, and I have a platform called Passion mm-hmm. to Power, and I think about the Scarecrow with the brains, the Lion with the courage. And the Tin Man with his heart. And you need all of that to Mm. succeed in this business. So I work with that analogy. And I say follow your own yellow brick road because it will veer and it will shape in all different ways. And we never know where our journey is going to go. But how we persevere and how we strategize on that yellow brick road is something I work with, with Passion to Power. And you can find that online, passion-power.com. Passion-power.com.
1: Thank you. Thank
2: you so much. Thank you, guys.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Speak LA, the podcast. We know you have big actor dreams, and we really want to help you. For more insider tips on the LA film and TV industry, go to ispeakla.com and subscribe today. And of course, look for us at all the regular places, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. See you next time.